Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to today's episode of Uncaged Heroes. We're honored that you've just taken some time out of your day to sit back and relax with us, meet somebody new, get inspired by some great new wisdom, and hopefully pick up some pieces of gold and meet a new Uncaged Hero. I'm Stacey Johnston. Honored to be here with you, and equally as honored to sit beside my co-host, Cassie Hollins. Cassie, how are you today? It's a beautiful morning. I'm doing pretty good so far. How about you? I'm doing pretty good so far myself. I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure. So here we are. We're in our comfort of our homes, and we're going to travel today to New Jersey. <laughs> what inspires you in this? Where's your inspiration come from? My inspiration? I mean, I'm um, going to let Kathy answer first, and then, Daniel, we're going to bring you into the party. Oh, okay. Thank you. Kathy, how about you? Where does your inspiration I, in all this come from as we travel around the world from our living room? I really just enjoy the people. You know, we talk to people that do amazing things and have amazing stories, and we get to spend a few minutes and shine a light on that that amazing and I think it's I, that's my favorite part of it I love it what about you oh, I think it's me too I, I, the other day I got to travel to six different countries before noon and I never left my living room I just was so I'm so inspired by how much power there is out there how much grace how much light how much space is being provided for people all around the world to just do and learn and absorb the most beautiful things and I'm just honored that we get to share that so today we have a guest joining us all the way from New Jersey, and we would love to bring him into the show, Daniel Stillman. How are you today, Daniel? Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're very glad that you're here. I'm honored. So how about you kick us off? Daniel, tell us who is Daniel Stillman, what do you do, why do you do that, and how can people connect with you? Okay, so uh, I am a positive psychology practitioner. Uh, also integrative medicine health coach, transformational mindset coach, and a yoga instructor as well. And um, I work out of Westfield, New Jersey, like you said, 52 years old. And uh, really, I'm just trying to be a change agent for the world. I really want to help people live a flourishing life. And because uh, through a lot of trauma that I had to experience growing up, all those experiences that I went through, I believe, happen for a reason and shape you and make you who the person you are today. So I could share a little bit about that story if you'd like to hear. Love it. Let's hear it. Okay. So, so uh, you know, my journey began back in 1970 when I was born um, into a family that I, you know, we're not, we were not giving, given the choice of what family we're born into. And uh, in 1974, um, first let me preface it by saying that I'm raised Jewish. Um, don't really follow the religion that much anymore. I'm more spiritual and believe in the universe. But at that particular time, the reason why I bring it up because there were some challenges surrounding anti-Semitism uh, that I had to deal with growing up. But in 1974, uh, my mother, who was born in 1945, decided to come out of the closet. Um, she knew that she was gay. She was born gay. And, um, you know, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with the DSM, but it's the psychology. It's kind of the reference book that, that therapists and psychologists use to uh, determine mental illness. And up until 1974, it was uh, in that book, 
if, if you were gay, you were considered to have a mental illness. But in 1974, they removed that. And during that time, I don't know if you're familiar with Harvey Milk, in that movie, people were starting to come out and, you know, wanted to have their rights and be known. And my mother was a pioneer. She just couldn't live the lie anymore. So uh, being an only child, my parents uh, got divorced. And I was, uh, I had three cousins, my mom's sister, who, uh, you know, were very close to me. And I was considered the baby of the family, even though they were my first cousins. They were kind of like my brothers and sisters. But as soon as my mother came out of the closet, they decided that they didn't want to have anything to do with us anymore, which was kind of the first real introduction to changing a belief or developing a belief, you know, of what's wrong with me. You know, I did something wrong, you know, kind of, you know, I, I didn't know at the time, but it was the beginning of, of uh, experiencing shame, right? Deep-rooted shame. And, you know, it was very difficult for my mother to make that decision. And, um, but the, I think the, the beneficial part of it was that I got another mother who had two kids as well. Um, the thing I'd mentioned earlier about uh, the anti-Semitism is when we moved to uh, her particular town. I grew up in North Brunswick, New Jersey. It was a blue-collar town, so there wasn't many Jewish kids. In fact, I was probably the only Jewish kid on that side of the highway. So, you know, I also had to deal with, and I was short, you know, the shortest out of all my friends, and I had to deal with a lot of anti-Semitism, people calling me names, spitting in my hair, um, and had to keep this deep-rooted secret that if, God forbid, they found out my mother was gay, forget about it. So, you know, because of my mother's not being supported, you know, all her life up until that point and probably dealing with the pain of her sister rejecting her and losing that, that side of the family, it caused a lot of turmoil for her emotionally. And unfortunately, that emotional turmoil uh, kind of translated into physical abuse for me. Um, you know, back then in the 70s, spankings were justified, so to speak. Now, forget it, right? You'd be, typhus would, would intervene. But back then, you know, my mother would, you know, hit me when I was bad. And, you know, I, I think it went a little too far at times. And, you know, on top of being teased for being Jewish and my mother uh, basically hitting me, you know, or, you know, when I was bad and sometimes when I wasn't bad, you know, that takes a big toll on, on your self-esteem, little did I know at that time. Um, and, you know, my father was in my life, but not really in my life. He got married and had two kids um, who are my stepbrothers and a half-brother. But when I was around nine years old, he decided to move to Florida. So then again, once again, that that abandonment issue came up again because I didn't have my dad to me play baseball or sports or, you know, because even though I, you know, I'm telling you about the trauma that I had to deal with and some of the beliefs of feeling not good enough and just feeling like something was wrong, even though, you know, uh, I, I still played sports. I still tried to have a normal childhood. Uh, I did the best that I could as far as that was concerned. The one saving grace that I think for me uh, that really helped with my anxiety and not knowing at the time that I'm an HSP, which uh, if you know what an HSP is, it stands for a highly sensitive person. I've always been introspective, 
My grandmother always told me I was the most loving out of all her grandchildren. And there was always something about me that I always wanted to strive for better, to become a better person. I decided to start weightlifting. And thank God I did because I think, you know, that was something that really brought balance for me. It made me feel good. It helped. It was one of the things that helped my self-esteem. And I think it really helped me from not spiraling down the rabbit hole uh, where I could have taken a not so good path, right? Instead, I took the path of when things were difficult for me, I would always look in the mirror and I say to myself, you're capable of so much more. I couldn't, I can't tell you how many times I looked in that mirror and told myself when I was feeling bad about myself that I was capable of so much more. Had a normal kind of, yeah, kind of had a normal teenage years, but I've also experienced, you know, back in the (laughs) 80s, experimented with, you know, marijuana, drinking, which really helped suppress the feeling uh, of insecurity. Um, You know, the people-pleasing feelings of why don't people like me, you know, uh, those type of feelings. You know, I graduated high school normally, didn't know what I wanted to do um, after, took a year off, worked at my mom's company, and then I went to school for computer repair and robotics. So my current role is I've been in IT for over 27 years, and I've run data centers. So at that particular time, around the time I was 22, I decided, okay, what else can I do with my life? And little did I know what I was doing at that particular time, because I still had all this pain you know, inside of me and things I didn't deal with. Um, I was trying to do a geographical tour because I said, I'm going to join the Air Force, I'm going to continue my education, and that'll be that. Um, Unfortunately, when I went to the Air Force, uh, I didn't make it through basic training because they said that I had uh, some mild reactive airway disease, which is for short is asthma. Don't know why they didn't test me prior (laughs) before going to basic training, but unfortunately, I was sent home. And that's when I truly hit bottom, like everything came crashing in on me, all those feelings of insecurity, all those things. And I remember getting my hands and knees, and I just prayed to God, God, please help me. You know, um, I just need help. I don't know what to do. I was too chicken. Like the thought of suicide would come to my mind, but I always believed that if you did that, you would go to hell. At that particular time, I believe in hell. And I think it was because I watched that movie Exorcist when I was a kid. It freaked me out. But um, so the next day I woke up and, you know, you could believe in in spirits or guidance or guardian angels. The thought came into my mind, go to AA. So I knew somebody who was in Alcoholics Anonymous. Not that I knew that I didn't even think I was an alcoholic, but just something told me to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. So I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, and from 1992 to 1996, I worked the program. And it's kind of ironic because I really didn't get any guidance growing up from my father. Like, there wasn't the masculine influence for me. But yet, I still got bit by the bug of toxic. We want to call it toxic masculinity. I don't like the word toxic. I like to call it uneducated masculinity. And, you know, I had these gentlemen, these old-timers, you know, who would who had like 40 years sober, who were like 70 years old, give me some really tough love. And, you know, just as an example, I would say to one of them, how come people don't like me? 
like why why doesn't why doesn't that person I'm so nice to that person and he basically would say again an answer like well what makes you think everybody's going to like you anyway <laughs> so it was it was kind of very humbling to hear that but something clicked and at that particular time it was like okay I need to get my act together and I worked the steps rigorously while going to Jewish family services to deal with the trauma right the trauma that I had that I had which was a lot of shame if you ever saw the movie Goodwill Hunting is probably the best best example that I could give you when that you know, if you want to understand how I was feeling, I was just feeling like it was all my fault, like I did something wrong, when really I was just a victim of the circumstances at that particular time. And I was able to heal that. You know, when I was 23, I created this thing that's copyrighted called The Nine Ingredients of Love, which are sincerity, courtesy, unselfishness, patience, tolerance, humility, good temper, generosity, and being guileless. I hung those on my refrigerator and I read them morning and night to try to move those concepts of what nine ingredients of unconditional love meant from my head to my heart. And over time, by working the steps and giving back and getting out of myself and helping other people and doing and confronting like my aunt and uncle and my dad and ask them why they did what they did to heal the trauma and to reconcile with my mother and to understand how difficult it was for her to go through the life that she had to forgive was probably one of the most healing things and forgiveness but to forgive myself mostly right. but also you know forgive those other circumstances so right. you know that's so, kind of like yeah. a high level view of that story there you go <laughs> that's quite a story i bet if we we had enough time we could hear even more, Ryan, be inspired by your strength and, and that willingness to overcome. Very impressive, Daniel. Thank you for sharing that with us. So if you, it, over time, during the course of all of this journey that you've taken, have you come up with a concept for the word hero? What would that be and who fits into that for you in your life? Anybody who's willing to understand that fear of the unknown doesn't exist in nature and to turn fear flip it on its head and go about life with curiosity. But most importantly, being curious with yourself to understand who you are as a person, because we have so many outside influences and things that are said to us when we're children that really cause us to make up some beliefs that truly aren't factual. And if you could go, you know, we're so worried about what other people think of us that we never truly become our or really understand our true authentic self. So I think a hero is someone who is willing to really dive deep and find out who they truly are. Mm, Beautiful. And who fits into that for you in your life? Who, Who can you peg that and give that honor to for today for us? Oh, there's many influences. When I was 20, I I was a big uh, Tony Robbins fan. Uh, there's so many other influences that I had growing up um, that helped me. So many mentors, like I said, when I was in AA, you know, for those four years who helped me, uh, right. you know, understand my true authentic self. So Beautiful. Deepak, Deepak Chopra, Brian Tracy, 
um, there's just too many to name. Mm. Beautiful. You know, isn't that, isn't that something that we learn along the way when we open up that there's so many heroes to come along? Beautiful. Kathy, where does that all take you? Oh, I love that there's so many people that have come along the way for you and and filled that that hero place. I think that's awesome. You know, a lot of people think that when they say who's your hero, it has to be one specific person. And, you know, a lot of times it's not. So thank you for sharing that with us. So no if you could put your one-liner of advice, is your message to the world? What would what would your sentence be? What would your T-shirt say? Hmm. Uh, does I own self be true? Is what I would say. That would be my one-liner. Does I own self be true? Okay. Expand on that first a little bit. Well. What I mean is, uh, is I believe you have to be vulnerable with yourself. When you wake up in the morning and you're brushing your teeth and you're looking at yourself in the mirror, there's two different conversations you're having with yourself. You're having your true conversation with yourself of what you want and need, right? And you know what, you know, you're, you're really just thinking about your going with your gut feeling of what you need to do, what you need to accomplish, and then you have your ego self that somehow sabotages that. And the best example that I could give you is that you know it's raining outside and you tell yourself, I want to bring an um- I should bring an umbrella. That's your true authentic self telling you your intuitive thinking system saying, bring an umbrella. And then some other voice comes in and tells you, ah, you don't need the umbrella. And then you go out into the storm <laughs> You don't think you need the umbrella, and you're like, damn, I should have brought that umbrella, right? So to the I don't still be true is always listen to your, your gut instinct and be vulnerable with yourself. Hmm. Wow, that's such a great advice. What a beautiful statement. You know, we have, I'm just always honored by the words that people choose to use, you know, to, to bring out their wisdom and to share with the world. So thank you for sharing that. To the I don't still be true. Be vulnerable with yourself. I mean, that ought to, I think that ought to be the second line. Be vulnerable <laughs> with yourself. That's, it, there's so much fear around that. So I know that I could keep having this conversation for a while because I'm so intrigued by your strength and your knowledge and, and all that you've gone through to be where you are today. But we are regretfully at a place where we're going to have to get ready to wind down with respect to you, Daniel, and your time today and with respect to our audience and their time as well. I would love for you to always remember that we're brought to you by Enlighten Up and Guided by Grace. If we can ever serve you in some way, if you would like to have a conversation with us, if you want a banner or a word, or you just need someone to talk to, please reach out to us at HeroBuilder2020 gmail.com. We're interested in what you have to say. Kathy, beautiful conversation, lots of enlightenment today. I have a whole page of notes. How would you like to leave our audience today? With a challenge. I know I... <clears throat> the was talking about you know being vulnerable with yourself and being true to yourself and you know you're you're the only person you're with forever right we had a lady not too long ago we had a guest on here saying you know you're your own best friend forever 
So my mm. challenge today for our audience is to have a true, authentic conversation with yourself. Mm, I love that. What a challenge. How many people have been a long time since they had a true, authentic conversation with themselves? I love it. Daniel, we would be honored if you would take the stage for us. Give us the last 90 seconds. How would you like to close that today? What would you like to leave our audience with? Uh, listen, I, I, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to speak on your show and share my message and share my story. I hope it's an inspiration for those uh, who are struggling, who have one foot uh, out and one foot in to possibly changing their lives. And I just want to tell them that it's okay. You, you know, you're going to be okay. Take the chance. Do the work. Don't let fear, which stands for false evidence appearing real, stop you from, you know, be introducing yourself to the higher self that you never knew existed. Because once you are introduced to your higher self that you never knew existed, a weight's lifted off your shoulders. You find meaning for your life, and you're able to share those experiences with other people, which is what it's all about. And if you need more help or more guidance, you go to my website, you know, holisticwellcare.coach. I have a course called Get Real Deal and Heal there. And, uh, you know, for your listeners, if they can't afford to purchase the course, I'll give it to them for free. All you have to do is provide your host here, your email address, send it on to me, and I'll give you access to the course because I just want you to live a flourishing life. Not, not just survive, but to thrive. Mm-hmm.